I'm going to continue in our structured series, and I want to talk to you tonight about a biblical structure, the blueprint of God's church. Can y'all real quick stop and give honor to this amazing worship team? Come on. Their dedication, consecration, and the ability to hear the breath of God is an amazing thing. You can remain seated. Uh, I want to teach to you tonight. Just want to talk to you. Just want to share my heart with you on understanding a structural blueprint of what God's church looks like. Exodus 18, verses 13 through 24. They'll have it on the screens for you. Exodus 18, 13 through 24. Let us hear the word of God. The next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning until evening. And when his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you alone, everyone shout the word alone, sit as a judge, while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses answered, because the people come to me to seek God's will. And whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. And Moses' father-in-law replied, what you're doing is not good. Somebody say, what you're doing ain't good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you, and you cannot handle it alone. Somebody shout alone. Listen. Now to me, and I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all of the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens and have them serve you as judges for the people at all times. But have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases, they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain. Somebody say stand the strain. And all these people will go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything that he said. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for instruction. I thank you for teaching. Thank you for correction. Thank you for rebuke. Thank you, Father God, for your word going forth and accomplishing that which you've set it to do. Lord, we thank you tonight with open hearts, with open ears to hear indeed what thus saith the word of the Lord. Father, here we are. Speak to us. Father, I am nothing but a man washed by the blood of Jesus. And I ask to be the conduit, God, to speak into the hearts and minds of these people tonight, God, that they may hear indeed what you're saying in this hour. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. And the church said, amen Amen and amen. Church, ecclesia, God's called out ones. From the foundation of time, God's plan was never for it to be a one-man show mentality. Pastors often suffer from burnout or they just get burned. They often quit 
They often wrestle with things like suicide. They wrestle with spiritual uh, uh, adversaries. They wrestle with things that are, are, are totally contrary to the spirit. And oftentimes, many spiritual leaders fall in the case because they are carrying loads alone. When God saw Moses, and thank God that he had a Jethro. My God, we all need a Jethro. Somebody that has wisdom for where we're going. God saw Moses, saw the condition of which he was trying to handle things and gave wisdom, a word of knowledge to Jethro to begin to speak into Moses and say, the way you're doing it is not healthy. You'll wear yourself out. Listen to me. There's some of you right now under the sound of my voice. And if I'm preaching to anybody tonight, I'm preaching to Kyle David Myers. So hear me and hear me well. But you'll get the overflow. You'll get the pieces that fall off the plate as I preach to myself tonight. But listen to me. There's people under the sound of my voice and the reason why you are wrestling with burnout, the reason why you are tired and weary and well-doing, the reason why you're contemplating just quitting and walking away from the things of God, the reason why you feel like you've worked your fingers to the bone, the reason why you're wrestling, wrestling, wrestling and feel like you're never winning is because you're trying to do it alone and it was never God's plan for us to do anything alone. The scripture that leapt off the page to me as I read this scripture was the part in there where he tells him, he said that you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Multiple, multiple times in ministry, I believe the reason why there's an element of dissatisfaction, catch this, the reason why many people leave ministries and leave churches and say things like, I'm just not being fed. Do you know why you're not being fed? Because what you've done is you've put a demand on one chef to feed an entire army and it was never God's plan for one cook in the kitchen that's going to prepare the meal, that's cooking the meal, that's serving the meal. Y'all better hear me tonight. I told a story to Adley this week. It was called the story of the little red hen. How many of y'all remember the little red hen? Anybody ever heard that story? Raise your hand then, testify. <laughs> Glory to God, we got some witnesses in the house. Story of the little red hen. What's wrong with the little red hen? Well, she wants friends. She wants people to be a part of what she's about to do. She goes and gathers the wheat. She beats the wheat. She collects the wheat. She grinds the wheat down into flour. She makes the paste. She puts it in the pan. She puts it in the oven. She bakes the bread. Here's the problem. When the bread started cooking, all the friends came home. But they didn't get to eat the bread. Because she said, where were you? When it was time, my God, hear me. Where were you when it was time to beat the wheat, gather the wheat, collect the wheat, grind the wheat? Dominion Church, I'm asking you something tonight. Don't think that you're going to ride the coattail of this thing over the finish line. Because what will be left is the smell of bread and your plate will be empty. I'm coming to you tonight as a spiritual leader in a vulnerable place to tell you this that I am convicted more in this season than any season past or what I've ever felt presently, that what God has called this ministry to do, you cannot depend on Kyle Meyer to do it alone. You cannot depend on me to do it alone. Why? Because you'll leave here dissatisfied. You've got, listen to me, in the coming quarter, what is about to happen? I'm changing the structure of Dominion Church as a whole. I already met with my senior leadership team. They're 
thank God, spirit-filled, mighty men and women of God in Dominion Church would not be where it is today without the senior leadership team that we've had up until this point. Up until this point. This new quarter, a whole new structure is coming to the ministry. You'll see people brought on this platform over the next two months, and they will be ordained into the ministry. We will be setting forth pastors. We will be setting forth evangelists, and as, as God leads, prophets and teachers that we will be ordaining and instructing into the ministry men and women of God that love God, are sold out to God above reproach, and live their lives consecrated for the glory of God. Why? so that you don't leave here dissatisfied. If you depend on one man to do it all, you will be dissatisfied. It was never God's plan for man to be alone. Genesis 1, original intent. God is a God of partnership. Now catch this. This thing that he is building, he's not going to build on one man. Why? He will build on one man, but that man is not just one man. He's one God. He's 100% man. He's 100% God. His name is Jesus Christ. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God will never build his church on a personality of one man because if that man falls, the whole ministry goes with him. What's happening in the Dominion Church? We are structuring to build something that lasts. Why? Y'all worried about a building. I'm worried about building people. God's worried about building people. I wonder what it looks like, and I'm saying, God, but what do they look like? Is the foundation secure? Are they just painting the walls to look good? Or do they really got some consistency and structure in their life that is durable? Is it something you can hang a picture on? Or is it something when you nail and nail it, the whole hammer goes through the wall? What is built in this sanctuary will determine what God builds in this region. I'm telling you, it's not about building a building in this season. It's about building people that will fill the building with the harvest of the PD region. But God's got to build this first. And he's wanting to build something that can stand the strain. Something that's built to last. Not something that's hung up on rock star preacher personalities. If you love Kyle Meyer, that's okay. But if you love me more than you love Jesus, you're guilty of idolatry. And I'm telling you. Don't you ever, ever, ever love a man or a woman or anybody more than you love Jesus. Because the moment you do, you're setting yourself up for an incredible amount of disappointment. So I want to talk to you tonight, foundationally, what does it look like? Is this okay? It's 817. If you got to go home, you act like you're going to the bathroom. The hallway goes all the way around the back. You sneak out through the cafeway and go. Nobody ever even know you left. We only got two toilets anyways. They probably think you're waiting in line. So I want to talk to you, what does the foundation of God's biblical blueprint look like? Ephesians 2, watch. Ephesians 2, 19 and 22. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ himself 
as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built. Look at your neighbor, tell him, you're being built. Together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Okay, we just got pieces of the blueprint. Y'all ready? Watch. Let's do this. What do I got to do? Y'all got me? What do I got to do? You got me? Awesome. They got me. Watch. We just got pieces of the blueprint. I'm there? PK, there he is. Show me, show me something. Am I sharing? I'm not. Y'all, excuse us while we work through. Look at, look at me. Hold on. (laughs) Here we go, here we go. They don't want to see that. They don't want to see that. Y'all, what are you still doing there? Hold on, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We, we, oh, there we go, sorry. Okay, here we go. It's not, do I, I don't have anything up there, do I? Okay, there we go. All right, so we just got a part of the blueprint, right? The, part, the first part of the blueprint is this, Jesus, right? But then when we go back into this here, we find out that it's not just Christ, but apostles and prophets. Somebody say apostles and prophets. Okay, so now we find out that God's church is not just made up of Jesus, but if, we're, if there's something with a foundational solitude, if there's something that is something that can be built hard upon, then we find out that Jesus is the chief cornerstone, but then we find something called um, apostles and prophets. So we're going to say APs, and we're going to say prophets, and we're going to say APs, that's a P. You see this? Watch. And prophets. Okay? Hold on. They, they turned it off because they didn't want you all to see everything next. All right. Go with me now to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for the works of service. Why did he give them? Why did he give them? Why did he give them? To equip his people for the works of service and for the works of the ministry so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become, become attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then, everyone say then. We will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work hold on go back to that go back to that last part as each part God does its work look at somebody point them point right at them and say what work are you doing 
Now turn to the other person that you felt uncomfortable saying that to, look them dead in the face and preach for me tonight and say, what work are you doing? So we find here, now you can go back on my screen. Y'all really can't read that. It looked a whole lot better here. But we find Jesus at the foundation. We find the concept of apostles and prophets. But then we find structurally and correctly in order, teachers. Scripture says, First Corinthians 12, 27. First Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Turn to somebody and tell them you're a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers. All right, I want to stop right there. Stop right there. Take that scripture off. So we find a biblical foundation of order. Somebody say the word order. Have you ever went to a vending machine, a soda machine, and you tried to put money in it, and it had a sign on it, and it said, out of? Guess what happened? You didn't get anything. You didn't receive anything from that machine, did you? Why? Because it was out of order. Listen to me. The reason why God's church, and I use those with little quotes really really many times. The reason why God's church is lacking and the reason why people are not walking in the full measure of Christ that they've been called to is because so much is so out of order. You got people depositing. They're taking their money. They're giving their tithes. They're giving their offerings and they ain't see, my God, they ain't seeing nothing coming out of it. And the reason why they're not is God has hung a big sign on it that says out of order. We've created rock star Christianity with preachers in skinny jeans. <laughs> Nothing against skinny jeans. If I wasn't chubby, I'd wear them. <laughs> but what we've done is we've created this persona about an institution. The most powerful institution in all of the earth. It created hospitals. It birthed orphanages. That stuff didn't come from the government. It came from the kingdom of God. It was a, it was a thought in the mind of a man or woman that got it from Jesus and the Holy Spirit. That's who you are. There's people sitting on these chairs full of so much purpose. It's oozing from you. And God is asking you tonight, what are you doing with it? You've been called, you've been positioned, you've been placed on purpose. But here's the thing. You got to get your eyes off of the man that God has set as the head of this house and, and get your eyes back on Jesus who's the head of the man. Because if you don't, you're going to leave disappointed. Let's go back into the scriptures. And so he gave the, the, the first to be apostles and prophets and teachers. So now we find a more of the blueprint. So we've got these things here in the midst and the bottom of this thing called teachers, right? So we find out that there's a teacher here. 
apostles, prophets, and teachers. And then in Ephesians 4 and 11, it goes on to say, and he called some to be pastors and some to be evangelists, right? So now we find that the first structural order is Jesus. And then there's apostles, prophets, and teachers, according to 1 Corinthians. But now we find in Ephesians 4 and 11, and Christ gave this gift, these gifts to his church. Some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, some to be teachers. So now we find more of the flow of the foundation. Watch. So now we begin to add more. These are pastors. These are evangelists. These are people that are working for this thing called the kingdom of God, right? Hold on. Hold on. We're going to build something tonight. Just, just hold on. We're talking about a biblical structural blueprint of what God's church looks like, because here's the thing. The church has messed it up very, very badly. We have messed it up. Because culturally, let me deal with culture. Let me address culture. There is a culture, and there is a culture that is completely contrary to the culture of the kingdom. The culture of the kingdom says, if you want to get, give. The culture of the kingdom says, if you want to go up, learn how to get down. But we have a culture that says, give me. If you don't give it to me, I'll take it from you. We have a culture that says, I'll step on your back to get to where I want to be. Jesus said, if you want to be great, then you got to be learned to become a servant to all. But let's deal with culture. There's culture, and often what we deal with in the church, what, what you don't like, some of you don't like my preaching tonight. Some of you right there don't like my preaching tonight. And the reason why you don't is because it rubs you. Here's what I would challenge you to do. If it's rubbing you, that means there's something gritty on you, and you maybe either need to let it file it down. Because what we've done is we've embraced culture. Because it's like grandma's cooking pan. Y'all know what about grandma's cooking pan? Let's talk about grandma's cooking pan. Christmas just passed. Susie buys a ham. She goes to cook the ham. She cuts the end off the ham, cuts the other end off the ham, takes the ends and throws them in the trash. Susie's husband's standing there. He says, why'd you cut the ends off the ham? She said, well, I don't know. Mama always did. I thought they were no good. He said, well, maybe you should call your mama. So she calls her mama. She gets on the phone, Mama, why'd you, cut the, why'd you cut the ends off the ham and throw them in the trash? She said, well, Susie, I don't know. Mima always did, so I always thought they were no good, so I threw them, I threw them in the trash. Well, let's call Mima. They call Mima, Mima, why'd you throw the ends of the ham away? Mima says, you dummies, I never had a stove big enough to cook a long ham, so I had to cut the ends off the ham to be able to cook the ham, otherwise the ham wouldn't fit in. We got a church that threw the ends off the ham only because it didn't fit. Because it didn't fit. Because it didn't fit. And what you don't know is the end of the ham is exactly what you're missing out on. But we've thrown it out in the name of culture. And by doing so, we're dissatisfied. So we find out that we've got apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. I want to go back up now. I want to go back up to... Where do I want to go? Right there. 
First Timothy, or, or excuse me, Titus chapter one, verse five. Titus one, verse five. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put into order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Catch this now. So now we've got a foundation in a biblical church where there should be Jesus, of course, at the very, he's the cornerstone. He is the rock on which everything leans on. You understand that's the importance of a cornerstone. The cornerstone holds all the weight. If the cornerstone ain't there, ain't no weight being held. The structure is out of alignment, nothing's good. That's why the first pillar of this church is that we're Christ-centered. Everything hinges and is held together on Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There's not more than one way to get to heaven. There's only one way through the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. We will preach that message, hold it here to that message. He is and always was and will always be. He is. But we see Jesus, and then we see apostles, prophets, teachers, biblical order. Then we see pastors and evangelists. But now we find something else that, that we don't really see much in today's church. Something called eldership, elders. Acts 6 and 1 through 6, watch. And in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, catch that, when the church was growing, the Hellenistic Jews among them, Hellenistic were those that they still dealt with the, with the Hebrew language, they still dealt with the Hebrew culture, but they believed on the gospel. Uh, today they would be the charismatics, they're the ones that wave the flags and still have the symbol of Yahweh printed on the walls. I'm just joking, but there's some truth to that. They embraced the Hebrewic culture of where they came from, they brought it with them. But it, the Bible says that they were complaining and their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Catch this. My God, catch this. I'm almost done. They were complaining in the daily distribution of food. Go on to the next verse. So the 12, the 12 apostles gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Hold on. Stop right there. Let's address something. you got to understand, some of you are waiting on me to wait on your table, and I've only got one table to wait on, and Jesus is seated at it with his word, and the command and call on my life is to make sure that I'm in the word, getting the instruction of the word so that you can receive the word, and, and don't get me wrong, there's other men and women of God in this house that that is their job as well, but sometimes the church is too busy demanding them to wait tables, and then we wonder why we get words off of Google, because they were too busy putting napkins out on the table when they should have been in the glory grabbing words from heaven and distributing them to you properly. Come on, let's deal with the dissatisfaction in the house. Let's deal with the disorder. Let's deal with the destructure that's in this house that's got to be built properly. There's got to be a mindset that changes that, that PK, AK, can't come to your bedside every time your baby stubs his toe. There's got to be an understanding that there's apostles and prophets and pastors and evangelists and teachers. And then, then there's elders that are under them and they're given charge over families. Listen to me. Some of you would get mad. You'd get mad if I didn't show up to your kid's birthday party. But what you don't know 
is how many of my kids' birthday parties have been thwarted. Because I had to go wait a table. Hey, let me tell you something. Not here, not today, not tomorrow, not next year, not five years from now. What God has called us to build will challenge every religious mindset in this region and in this area. I've been telling y'all all that all along because God is not about to build something on a one-man show mentality. You better get ready not for five pastors, not for ten pastors, not for pastors, prophets, and evangelists, 20 and 30 of them. You better get past the mentality of a church with 50 pastors. You might as well go ahead and get it in your brain of a church beyond 75 elders and deacons and leaders that are pouring into your life and you might as well go ahead and get where my faith is and believe God on a hundred pastors, prophets, evangelists and teachers and and elders and deacons that are leading this church. Go ahead and get there. Go ahead and get there. Go ahead and get there. If you can't get there, this is not the church for you. It's not that we don't love you. It's not that we don't care about you. It's not that there ain't people in this church that would love to wait on your table. It's not what we're building here. You want to see that built? There's 396 other of them in this county that are okay with that mentality, and that's not the mentality we're, because we're trying to build healthy church, because healthy churches build healthy families, healthy families build healthy communities, healthy communities take the world for the glory of God. Y'all real quiet tonight. It's okay. It's all good. I didn't come for the amens or the omis. Acts 6, 1, 6. In those days, the numbers of disciples was increasing. The Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebrewic because they weren't, their tables weren't being... And they said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn these responsibilities over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicknar, Timon, Parmenes, Nicholas from Antioch, a a convert from Judaism, and they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. Get ready, because you're about to see that here. In the coming months, what you will see is an ordination that'll take place of people that have been serving with me under leadership some a long time, and I'm going to be honest with you, some of them are going to be fresh. They're going to be fresh. Because I believe God is sending people here, people that are spirit-filled leaders that understand the vision. They understand what God is trying to build here. And God is aligning partners for this season for where we're going. Because God's telling me, son, you can't do it alone. I don't want to do it alone. Never wanted to do it alone. It's the whole reason why one of the pillars of our church is apostolic government. People say, what does that mean? It means no more church as usual. No one-man show mentality. And I'm telling you, God's finger is on that pillar in this season. He's saying, you got to structure the ministry properly for where you're going. If we're going to reach thousands, we got to get past the one-man show mentality. We got to believe that there's other anointed and appointed men and women of God that are sitting right now in this sanctuary that can carry the weight. That can carry the weight. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Verses 8 through 10, 
in the same way deacons. So now we find another foundational thing. So we found Jesus, apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists, elders, and now there's a concept of deacons. Y'all hear that, right? It's all in the word. It's all in the word. In the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, not pursuing a dishonest gain, and they must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience, and they must first be tested. And then, if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. We're getting ready over the next probably year to develop deacons, to develop elders, to develop elders. What will happen in the case of elders is families will be assigned to the elder. You as a family, you'll have an elder. That's what you'll do. The biblical job of that elder is to help give oversight of your family. Guess what though? That elder will probably have a senior leader, a pastor, one of the fivefold ministries that's over top of them, making sure that they're being instructed, making sure they're being trained, making sure that they get it, getting spiritually what they need. And then all the way down, then you're going to have deacons. And deacons are the people, guess what? They're the people that are willing to show up and turn the air on so when you come here, it's not hot. They're the people that are willing to stay late and lock a door. Oh my God, I know this don't sound real spiritual, to some of y'all, but I, I didn't come to huck and buck. I came to equip you tonight for the work of the ministry. There's a calling on your life, and you've got to embrace and understand the mandate so that you can fulfill it rather than just looking through the lens you've always looked through. 1 Corinthians 12 and 27. We get to the rest. Now you. And I'm going to be honest with you, I hope there's not a lot of yous in here tonight. There's a reason why I preach this message on a Wednesday night. I look at these people like the core people. I believe y'all are the backbone. You're the committed group. Nothing against those Sunday morning sinners, but you know what? The truth is, some of y'all saying, my husband ain't here, preacher's preaching tonight. He's in the spirit. But no, if you show up on a Wednesday night midweek service, there's something to be said about that. Because we live in a day and an age where church no longer holds any kind of weight. It holds, you know, a church is an accessory nowadays. And to be a church that runs over 100 people on a Wednesday night, in this area, I've had pastors that run 500, 600 on Sunday mornings, and they've called me, Pastor, how are you running over 100 people on a Wednesday night? We run 500 on Sunday, and we only got 30 people that show up on Wednesday. You know what I told them? That's because we do it the same way Sunday as we do Wednesday. The glory's here Sunday. The glory here is Wednesday. And what we got is just a room full of people that want to be in the glory of God. And we're, we're, not, we're not trying some strategic program. It's all about his presence, baby. That's the formula. Hear me, preachers? That's the formula. Get the Holy Ghost back in service. First Corinthians 12. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed, and God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, then, then, watch this, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? No. The truth is, is some people are sheep. They're people that just need spiritual guidance. 
And there's nothing wrong with that. But here's what I do know. That if I were to break this down in order, it would tell me Christ first, then an apostle, prophet, teacher, pastor, evangelist. Then we see elders, deacons, supernatural workers, people that work in the gifts of miracles and in healings. Then we find natural workers, helpers. My God, thank God for the helpers. Thank God, come on, thank God for the helpers. I'm just going to drop some names because y'all need to know them. I thank God for the Bridget Davises, for the Angie Harmons, for the Aisha Lawrences. I thank God for the Stephanie McFadden's. I thank God. But here, I'm just going to shoot straight with you. Why did I just name a bunch of women? Why? Men, where are you at? Where are you at? I'm serious. Where are you at? Where are you at? Did you know, biblically, not biblically, but but statistically, that if a a woman shows up to church, 20% of her family will come with her? Did you know that if children show up to church, 57% of the family come with them? Did you know that if husbands, daddies will show up to church, 97% of the family goes to church? So here's what I'm going to ask you. I'm going to stand strong tonight. Men, where are you at? Why do we got a bunch of women in the church that are willing to work circles around you? Where are you at? Where's your spirituality? Why why are women leading the home spiritually? Why? It's out of order. Hear me again. I'm going to preach it. Go ahead and share this one on Facebook. They're going to, Travis, there's, Jackie, one of them shared a TikTok video with me the other day where the preacher went off on his congregation and said, where's this church at? And I said, and they think I'm hardcore. <laughs> this one right here be going viral. They'll be putting me on TikTok. But no, seriously, let's talk about it. Men are called to spiritually lead their home. If you're not leading your home, it's out of order. You can't expect to have a good marriage when you ain't leading her to the good Lord. You can't expect to have a woman that wants to make babies with you when you can't make time to pray. Hallelujah. You preaching, brother. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that witness. And then lastly, there's non-believers. So what we find, share my screen, please, gentlemen. There it is. That's Kyle's masterpiece right there. But watch this. So what you find is you find these things, all of these, you know, these are workers, miracle workers, you know, elders, deacons, all these things. Look at that. So here's the amazing part, though. Watch this. Y'all quit laughing at my drawing. I'm going to tell you a story about the Bible. There was these people that laughed at a bald man, and 42 she-bears came out and ate him for laughing at that, that bald, the, the bald man. Y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay. Anyways. So here's the amazing part. If you look at that, it's contrary to culture's organizational chart. Culture's organizational chart looks a lot like this. Y'all ready? 
this, then it goes like here, and there's here, and these people are connected here, and this person's connected here. And then you get this thing that looks a whole lot like a pyramid, right? Here's the amazing part about God's structure. It doesn't look like a pyramid. It looks a lot more like a funnel. And this funnel, if we'll allow it to flow, guess what? As the lost come in and they begin to flow in here, they begin to come from the bars, they come from the clubs, they come from the streets, they come from the crack houses, they come from the, guess what? There's a funnel of people that can catch them as they stream in here. But guess what? Here's the amazing part. As they pour in, as they pour in, as they pour in, guess what? They all land right here. That's God's biblical order. That's God's biblical structure. That's what God's blueprint of his church should look like. Stand with me all over the house. I've got a couple of announcements for you before you leave, so don't run out of here. Um, Brooke, if just you will come on. All I need is some keys right now. I want to do something in this moment. If you're willing to not allow me to stand alone, come grab my arm. If you can't grab my arm, grab the arm of somebody that's close to you. I'm even going to go a little further and I'm going to say men. I want some men right now. I want some men. I'm thankful for these ladies, but push them out of the way. I want some men on my arms. Come on, men. Let's do this thing in order. I want you all to begin to pray right now. What we're praying and what we're saying is saying, God, build something here that's built to last. Build something that's unstoppable. Build something that's not built on man, but it's built on you, Jesus. God, we don't want another church, God. We want to see the ecclesia. We want to see the called out ones, those that have been purposed and fashioned and those that have been called for great and glorious things for your name's sake. God, we want to see them assembled together, each part working in its part, each part doing its part. God, we simply ask you tonight, God, Lord, that what you build here at Dominion, God, we tell you we ain't got the mind to do it. God, we'll tell you we don't have the vision to do it. God, we'll tell you we don't have the provision to do it. But God, you've got it, God, and we want it, Lord. Lord, you said that you know the plans that you have for us. God, I pray in the days ahead, God, that you begin to build something here so strong that no devil in hell, that no Jezebel, that no lion spirit, that no demonic spirit, that no nothing that the enemy would launch, no weapon formed against us shall be able to prosper.
But God, we pray, God, that what is built here, God, that if you if you tarry a hundred years, it's still standing. People are still worshiping. Families are still being changed. The message of Jesus is still the center of every sermon and every song. And God, that they wouldn't compromise, that they wouldn't back up, that they wouldn't quit. God, that they wouldn't stop when it gets hard. And God, that we wouldn't look to no man, but God, we'd look to you. God, I pray that you knit this body together. God, like pieces of that funnel, that when the lost come in, they pour through our lives and we pour into them. God, that I pray that as they come, they would encounter you. And God, they would encounter you inside of us. God, I pray that you bless every man, every woman, every child, every ministry leader, every pastor, every prophet, every, every, every evangelist, every teacher, every elder, every deacon, every miracle worker, every healer, every tongue talker, every interpreter. God, everything that you've assigned to this church, we call it forth tonight in the name of Jesus. We say, come forth. You're called. Come forth in the name of Jesus. God, we don't want to do it alone. Jesus name stand right there stay right there right there where you are God took Moses and built a biblical blueprint of his ecclesia that same blueprint is the very thing that was followed when we get over into Ephesians 4 church in the coming months weeks there has to be mentalities that say how can I partner with dominion to lighten the load as I prayed through this message tonight I've cried, I've cried the last two days and I said, God, show me the families and the section of the wall they're supposed to be building. Nehemiah comes into a city that's in ruins and and the first thing he does is he assigns families to sections of the walls to build. We're gonna talk about that some more in the coming week. But my prayer has been, God, show me, show me the families that wield a sword and wield a hammer and they can build whatever I place them in front of. We've got enough people in churches that try to tear things down. What Dominion Church needs is some people that say, I'm here to build. I'm going to build people with my words. I'm going to build people with my prayers. I'm going to build with my giving. I'm going to build with my commitment. I'm here to build. I'm not here to tear anything down. You talk about people, you tear them down. You gossip, you tear them down. You lie on somebody, you tear them down. That's not your job if you're a partner of Dominion Church. Your job is to find a strategic place, a hole in the wall, something that's in ruins, and begin to build, begin to contribute. Quit taking and start giving to it. And you are a part of it. You're a part of it.